And welcome into the latest edition of the Sharpshooters. I'm David Schuster, joined by uh, my always hoops junkie partner, Mr. Andy Roth. This podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. More from our sponsor in just a bit. But today, Andy and I are both joined by a longtime voice of the NBA, Mr. Ted Davis, who currently has a talk show in Milwaukee. We'll talk a little bit about that also. He also has done play-by-play in the NBA for quite a while, even though he looks very, very young still. He did it for the Dallas Mavericks for a while, and then he finished off uh, his play-by-play career with the Milwaukee Bucks, at least his NBA uh, play-by-play career. And, And Ted, I'll tell you what, you have great timing because who better can uh, illustrate it than you going out with an NBA championship and then going off sort of onto the horizon. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Michael Jordan and I have something in common. We're <laughs> lost in the finals. Yeah. But then he came back and ruined it all by playing two years in Washington. <laughs> yeah. I got uh, it took, I started doing games in 1984. In fact, when Jordan was a rookie and then I did a part-time schedule up until 1988 when I went full-time with the Mavericks and uh, I never had a team get to the finals until last season and uh, everything broke right and they won the championship and I got a championship ring, which is something that not everybody gets. And so uh, it was a good way to wrap it up. Well, let's start right there before uh, Andy jumps in. What was it like covering that championship team? I mean, I, I got a little spoiled covering Jordan, you know, six championships. It would have been eight in eight years if he would play those last two. But what, what was it like for you? Because that's a culmination of an incredible career on your part. Yeah, it was kind of a building process for this team. Um, they won 60 games and went to the Eastern Conference Finals, were up 2-0 on the Raptors, and then lost four in a row. And then the next year, I thought, okay, they're going to come back and they're going to do it again. Well, the, the bubble happened, and they they got distracted by a lot of other things, and they went out second round to Miami. So I think really going into last year, the scars of those previous two years served this team well. And uh, they weren't as good in the regular season as they were in the previous two years, finished as the third seed in the East, but they were better prepared to be a playoff team. And I think mentally they went into that uh, playoff run uh, better equipped to handle what was going to happen. And then let's face it, you have to have talent to get there, but you also have to get lucky. And they got lucky last year when you had some injuries to the Brooklyn Nets in that series, Trey Young got hurt in the, the next round. And then they got to the finals and went down 0-2. They were down 2-0 to the Phoenix Suns. And then they came back and won four in a row. And it wasn't really until they won in Brooklyn in game seven and got to the next round and were playing Atlanta that I thought, you know what? This team can win the whole damn thing. And sure enough, they did. Ted, you know how difficult it is to repeat in this league. What do you sense as far as the level of hunger this year? Oh, I think they're I think they're hungry. I, I think uh, if if the big three are healthy, and the big three for them would be Giannis, Middleton, and Drew Holiday, they're as good as anybody in the East. And I mean Brooklyn, I mean Philadelphia, Miami, anybody you want to put up there. But you know, one year doesn't translate to the other in terms of the luck that you're going to get. They had everything go right, including in Game Seven in Brooklyn. The fact that on a what I thought was a three-point shot to end the series, Kevin Durant wears a size 18 uh, <laughs> basketball shoe and a 17 street shoe, and uh, if he had uh, if he had had the different shoe on, they would have won Game Seven because he, he had his foot on the line. So that 18 was the difference in the Bucks advancing. 
And this season, of course, one guy that has been missing is Brooke Lopez. What's the confidence level that he returns and how big a boost would that be? Well, I think they're going to get him back after the All-Star break. Everybody seems to think so. And look, I don't think they can repeat if Lopez is not part of the mix. Now, as insurance, they went out and traded for Ibaka. And I thought that was a good pickup. Maybe he'll have the impact this year that P.J. Tucker had last season. But Lopez is such a good rim protector. He's underrated in that area. He's like a human hair plug right there in the middle of that lane. And if they don't have him, they're going to have a difficult time repeating. But as long as you have a guy like Giannis who can drop 50 in a deciding game six last year against the Phoenix Suns, he gives you that chance that Michael Jordan, that Kobe Bryant, that Shaq, that all the great ones give you. And so, uh, you know, it, it's very hard to repeat. You're right. But I think the Bucks have a shot at it. Hey, Ted, you're almost beating me to the punch with my next question, mentioning Jordan and Giannis in the same sentence. I've always said my biggest pleasure covering sports and all the different sports over all these years was watching Michael Jordan on a game-by-game basis. There wasn't a game that didn't go by where I didn't go, oh, my God, what did I just see? And I have a feeling you probably said the same thing each and every game that you had Giannis. I mean, what kind of pleasure was it for you, is it for you, just to see the best of the best on a game-by-game basis? Yeah, when he came in, um, I didn't know what he would become. I knew he was freakishly athletic, and he was. But he came here as this skinny 18-year-old kid, and for the first um, year and a half, almost two years, you didn't see this coming. But what we also didn't see was the work ethic and the drive to not just be good, but to be great. And all the guys that get to that level do. Jordan, Bird, Magic, Kobe, you just go down the list. They had that internal motor that that just drove them to be great. And Giannis has that. Um, about the – when Jason Kidd was here, I think one of the things Jason Kidd did that was very valuable to Giannis was in Kobe Bryant's last season. Uh, Kobe Bryant came to play the Bradley Center uh, for the last time. And that was the first night that Giannis had a triple-double. That was his first triple-double. After the game, Jason Kidd, who knew Kobe Bryant really well, set up this meeting right off the Lakers locker room. And it was Jason Kidd, Giannis, and Kobe Bryant in the room. And what Kobe Bryant told Giannis that night was, you have all the talent to be as good or great as you want to be, but it's up to you. How hard are you going to work? And I think that was the point where he had that in him anyway. But I think the light bulb went off above his head. And just to hear it from Kobe Bryant, a player he admired, I think motivated him beyond belief. And from that point on, his career started to take off. And he he is now, from that skinny 18-year-old kid, he is a 250-pound battering ram that I think is the most unique blend of talent that I've ever seen. And I'm talking about Jordan and Nowitzki, and all of the guys who have unique talent. Giannis has the biggest athletic ability that I've ever seen, the freakish athletic ability to cover such ground with only one or two steps. And I'm like you, David. Every, every night I would watch him play, he would do something that I would go, oh, my gosh, look at that. It was really fun to watch him develop. And now he, he is one of the top five players in the NBA. Ted, have you seen even any improvements in his game this season from last season? Oh, yeah. Yeah. His jump shot is better. Um, It's he looks more confident with it. His free throw shooting is a lot better because he hurried up his routine. 
if you remember last year in the playoffs that in Phoenix, they were doing the 10 second count on him because sometimes he would take 11, 12, 13 seconds to shoot a free throw. I think that's too long to think about it. So now he's down to like one or two dribbles and he just puts it up and, and he's at 72% now. And the other thing, he's a better passer this year. Uh, he is better at setting up teammates. So every year he has gotten better. Something in his game has improved. And the scary part, I think, for the NBA is that um, I don't think he's reached his ceiling yet. We would always talk about, okay, what's his ceiling? And here he is at 27 years old, really just going into the prime of his career, the ages from, say, 27 to 33 or 34. And I think he can get better and better. It's really scary that he can put up 29 points a game right now and still have room to improve. I wanted to get your take on the MVP race. It seems from recent media polls that Embiid is number one, Jokic number two, and Giannis a distant third. And I kind of feel it's because of voter fatigue, which I think is ridiculous. What's what's your take on the race? Well, I'm not knocking Embiid. He's having a hell of a year. You know, he's putting up 29 points per game. And Jokic has that unique blend of talent that is very rare in a big man. But I think Giannis is getting to the point that LeBron got to where you could name him MVP every season if you wanted to because that that's as good as he gets and as, as good as he's going to be. He'll, you know, you could do it every year. Uh, but you're right, there's a little bit of fatigue. I think Steph Curry was in the conversation earlier. He may have dropped down a little bit. But, you know, if you named him Embiid MVP, I couldn't argue with it. If you named Jokic MVP, I couldn't argue with it. But in my opinion, Giannis is the most valuable player in the league. Hey, Ted, I'm always happy for players who win their first championship. There was a former Bulls player on the roster last year and this year, Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis, man, you know, talk about scary. When his eyes are bulging like they are, he's a scary dude on that court, even though he's pretty pretty mild-mannered overall. What, what kind of contribution, both last year and this year, has he contributed to the Bucks roster? Yeah, Bobby, uh, Bobby Portis has those Betty Davis eyes. You remember that song by <laughs> Kim Carnes? Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's got those big eyes. Um, look, when we picked him up last year, I, I just kind of went, eh, okay. Yeah, Bobby Portis, he's a guy. And uh, I was wrong about him. He came in and was a key contributor to the championship season. Uh, his three-point shooting was off the chart last year. Uh, he was in the low 40s in terms of that. His rebounding was better than I thought it was going to be. I didn't realize he was such a good rebounder. Mid-range, he was really, really good and dedicated himself to the defensive end of the floor. I didn't realize he could play defense that well. So he did a lot of things. And I'll give him credit for this. In the Brooklyn series, for whatever reason, bad matchup or whatever happened, he was out of the rotation for a while. Uh, I don't think he played at all in that series after game two. So in the last five games, he was DNP by coach's decision. But he didn't pout about it. He didn't, you know, he didn't gripe about it. So we get to the next series against Atlanta, and it's a more favorable matchup for him. And sure enough, he's back in the rotation and playing. And then in the finals, he was fantastic against the Suns. I don't think they win that series if Bobby Portis doesn't play the way he played. I've got to ask you about uh, one of my favorite players, Drew Holiday. To this day, I consider him underrated. Not a guy that's putting up 25 a game, making the Sports Center highlights. Do you believe he really doesn't get his just due in this league? Oh, I think he's very underrated. Um, and – He's one of those players that you don't realize how good he is until you see him play every game. And for me, when he was in the Western Conference uh, with New Orleans, we would see him twice a year. And he'd have a good game, and you'd go, okay, that's a good player. 
But when you watch him play night after night, there's not a thing that he's not good at. Every aspect of the game, he knows how to play. He's one of the best defensive players I've ever seen, both as a help defender and as an on-the-ball defender. Uh, his ability to, to break a defender down and get to the rim is outstanding. Uh, he's a very good passer. And, um, you know, that play he made in Game 5 in Phoenix may have been the most impactful call that I've ever had when uh, the Bucks are on the road and, uh, you know, they they're they got to win that game. It's 2-2. And uh, it's a one-point game. Booker has the ball coming down. They're looking for the go-ahead shot in the final 15 seconds. Drew Holiday comes down on the, the help defense, rips it away from, uh, from Booker, and then sets up that lob to Giannis. And that got the Bucks to the finals, um, uh, to the championship game, and they won. If he doesn't make that play, I'm not sure they win uh, the championship last year. That's the kind of impact he had. I agree. He's a very underrated player. Yeah, Ted, I like to throw out hypothetical questions on Twitter to people. And I threw one out where I said, do you think the Bucks would be a better team with Damian Lillard or Drew Holiday? I believe the answer is Drew. What do you, what do you think about that one? I, I, I like Drew Holiday, too. Um He's a better overall player, I think. I'm not Lillard is not as good defensively. Uh, when you watch Holiday play defense on a nightly basis, you don't realize how good he is at staying with his man, at guarding bigger people, and he's very good at switching. And that that's that was the change in the Bucks defense last year that I think made a real difference. When he got to Milwaukee, uh, he went to Budenholzer early in the year and said, "Look, I think we're going to be better if we switch." Budenholzer didn't want to do that. He, he was like, nah, I don't like switching. It's too complicated. and You're going to have too many breakdowns. And Holiday convinced him that we've got the guys to switch. We got Giannis. We got me. And in particular, when they got P.J. Tucker, uh, that was when, okay, we can all switch out there and make it really difficult on the other team. And, and it worked. And that was Holiday's idea because he is very, very good at that. Hey, Ted, you know, obviously, you know better than I would, but when you're around the NBA, you're around a lot of different personalities. I'm pretty sure that you uh, were around Mark Cuban when you were down in Dallas. I think you were at least. Yeah. What, what what was it like? I mean, listen, it's great to be a billionaire and walk around in sweat clothes like he does a lot. What was it like being around him? What's he like away from everything else? Well, I didn't work for him uh, because he took over four years after uh, I left Dallas. However... Prior to that, I was a member of a health club in Dallas, which had a full court basketball uh, court. And I used to go there and play pickup games all the time. And Mark Cuban was a guy that came in and played pickup games with us. Uh, we, we played every Monday through Friday from about 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock. It was a bunch of guys that didn't really have jobs. So we could, we could do that. One of the guys that played was Mark Cuban. Uh, if I had known that he was going to become a billionaire, I would have passed the ball to him a little bit more. <laughs> You know, we, we, when you're out there playing pickup, you just want to shoot. But, uh, you know, he was a really down-to-earth guy. And then he came up with this idea, which all great ideas, you know, are spawned by something. And he nobody had thought of it before. He went to Indiana University, and he wanted to hear Indiana basketball games on the radio on his computer. Yeah. So he came up with Broadcast.com. Yeah. Uh, he sold it to Yahoo for, I don't know, $6 billion. And that's that's how he got his money. But then, I, you know, even after that, I, when he was an owner, I, I'd go talk to him. And he was always very down to earth. You could sit down and talk to him. And I, I always enjoyed my, my interactions with Mark Cuban. 
But Ted, more importantly, was was his game fundamentally sound? He's pretty good. Yeah, he was pretty good. He could shoot, you know. And uh, yeah, we had a weird bunch of guys that played every day. I had fun playing pickup basketball. One day, Carl uh, Malone comes into the say the uh, health club that we were um, we were playing at. This was right before the draft in 1985 when he was coming out of Louisiana Tech, and he thought he was going to be drafted by the Dallas Mavericks. In fact, they had told him that we're taking you if you're there and, and everybody thought he would be there. So he had a personal trainer who had played at SMU, a guy named Larry Robinson, and they would come in and just to get a run, they would play pickup games with us. And it was just, it, it was bizarre to have him out there. He wasn't going full speed, but he just wanted to run. And so I, I got to play a, a few uh, games of pickup basketball with Carl Malone. That's uh, that's your brush with greatness, although you were around greatness your whole NBA career. So, But that was up close and personal. All right, guys, take a breath just for a second. Let me do this quick read. Uh, this podcast, of course, is brought to you by DraftKings. And Hoop fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is just too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So, Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem. The number is one 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. The number is 1-800-889-9789 in Connecticut, 888-789-7777, and in New York, 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y. Ted, I know you. I'm sure you watched at least part of the NBA All-Star Game this past weekend, and maybe even the festivities on Saturday night, which really was a dud. What'd you think of all that? Um, You know, the All-Star Game has fallen into that Pro Bowl category for me. I know they play a little defense in the fourth quarter, but I describe it more as performance art than a game, okay? And, I, look, I'm going to be the old man yelling in a cloud here, so uh, give me my room to do that. <laughs> I came into the NBA in 1984 when the All-Star game meant something to the players that were playing it because Michael Jordan and Larry Bird wanted to beat Magic Johnson and Kareem, and believe me, they went at it in an All-Star game game it wasn't this okay I'm gonna let you score and then you let me score and then the fourth quarter we'll play a little bit of defense I mean they went at it because there was a lot of pride and so the all-star game is not that it's never going to be that again and I think the dunk contest has run its course I don't know what they could do there are only so many ways you can dunk the basketball I think we've used them all Uh, I love the three-point contest because that is a skill set that you've got to still do I've always said that one, one thing I would love is to come up with a way to have a, a horse contest, or if you don't want it to be that long, play pig, where you have Steph Curry and maybe Clay Thompson out there, and they're shooting their trick shots, and Curry is up in the stands in the tunnel. 
I would enjoy that more than the slam dunk competition. You know, it's so ironic that you said that because I, I you know, they, I follow one of these things on Twitter. It's super seventies or something like that. And I saw it earlier today that back in the day, they used to play horse, you know, and they taped these long in advance and played them on CBS or whatever it was. And it was George Gervin against Pete Maravich. Oh, that's what I was going to mention. Yep. Yeah. Two of the all-time trick shot artists. And they actually, they weren't even doing that crazy tr- uh, tr- trick shots. But yeah, I, I would agree. A, a game of horse would be really fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 I mean, when Blake Griffin jumped over a Kia to dunk the basketball, I think we jumped the shark and went, well, <laughs> they've all been done because, you know, what can you do? Ted, I wanted to get your take on some of the teams in the East. Let's start with the two teams involved in the big trade, Philadelphia and Brooklyn. What do you think of uh, how Philly did in the fit with Harden with Embiid there? Um, you know, James Harden is a high maintenance player who needs the ball a lot. I have my doubts that it's going to work in Philly, but uh, you know, with that kind of a talent, yeah. Okay. Maybe, but I'm skeptical. I'll admit I'm wrong if it happens. Uh, but you know, he needs the ball a lot and so does Tobias Harris. and So does Embiid. We'll see. Uh, I, I do think, with Simmons going to Brooklyn, they're better defensively, without any question. Uh, offensively, he's got to get some form of offense back because it was clear at the end of last season he had totally lost confidence in his ability to score. I think Drogic was a good pickup for them uh, for two reasons. One, he's going to help them in the backcourt. And two, it kept him away from the Bucks. I would think that right now, in particular at playoff time, if Kyrie Irving is able to play in home games, and right now – it appears that he may be because the uh, city of New York is going to drop their vaccine mandate. Uh, I think the Nets are going to be really, really tough to knock out. Uh, I think the Bucks are as good as anybody. And I think Miami's kind of a sleeper. Uh, you know, Eric Spolstra is such a good coach. He is, um, he, he, he devises defenses that really make it difficult for you to do your stuff. PJ Tucker was brought in specifically to be a Giannis stopper. And that's going to be his role at playoff time. So I'm not counting out Miami. I don't know that the Bulls can can win the championship this year. Uh, they've got a lot of guys who are in there for the first time, and that usually doesn't happen for a group of guys. But look, Billy Donovan's got to be in the conversation for coach of the year, given the turnaround that they've had. So right now, if I were going to handicap them, I would say uh, Philly, Bucks, Brooklyn, with Miami maybe as uh, the sleeper team to perhaps pull off the upset. I had to get your opinion on my favorite young team in the East, the team that I predict will win a championship in the next three years. What do you think of those Cavaliers? And, and in particular, Evan Mobley. Yeah, uh, Bickerstaff is a, uh, is a candidate for coach of the year, too, because, my goodness, uh, nobody saw this coming. I think the Cavaliers and the Memphis Grizzlies are the two most surprising teams in the league this season. And, boy, Mobley is the real deal. You know, you, you don't know how those players are going to, translate from college to the pros. Some do well when they make that transition. Others, like I remember Dwayne Wade playing at uh, Marquette, and I thought, okay, he's an okay player. But then he gets to the pros and he blossoms. Sometimes you have that, you know, that opposite, where a guy is a great college player and can't make the transition to the NBA. Looks like Mobley is the real deal. Uh, Darius Garland is very good. Sexton is very good. They've got a lot of good young talent. And yeah, I'm, I'm shocked to see that they are where they are. 
By the way, Ted, I, I'm not hurt by the fact that you don't have the Bulls, you know, winning the East. I, neither do <laughs> I, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, it's been a really nice season, and, you know, they'll get some of those players back. But the schedule over the last 23 or four games is pretty tough for them. And I do agree. It's all about matchups in the postseason. They go against uh, Brooklyn or Philly specifically. They've never beaten Embiid. Embiid is 10-0 against the Bulls. Yeah. He's been in a Sixers uniform. So I do agree. DeMar DeRozan's had a fantastic season for what it's worth, but he's always tailed off a little bit from his regular season to the postseason. And so I do agree with you. The, the next question I want to ask you, you know, they had the top 75 players, and that was sort of fun. That was probably the highlight for me uh, this past weekend. And the Athletic – um, list its top 10 players. And I'm gonna just going to read them, and I'm going to have both you and Andy react, because I know I'm going to get Andy's dander up on this one. They do have Jordan 1, followed by LeBron, Kareem, uh, Bill Russell, Magic Johnson, Wilt at number 6, Larry Bird 7, Shaq at 8, Tim Duncan 9, and Kobe at 10. Agree or disagree with any of that, Ted? Well, I saw one on ESPN today. It's very much like yours where they had uh, Kobe 10, they had Oscar Robertson 9, they had Tim Duncan 8, Larry Bird 7, Bill Russell 6, Wilt 5, Magic 4, Kareem 3, LeBron 2, and Jordan 1. Uh, if you wanted to put Shaq in that top 10, you could. Uh, Kevin Durant, they had at 12. But that top 10 to me, I, I can't say, okay, somebody absolutely has to be removed to put somebody back in. That's a pretty good top 10. So, you know, I, I, I can't disagree with that. But Andy, Andy, come on, Andy. I know we're <laughs> well, built number six on this well, one. I know that look, you got your dander. Look, first of all, my my basic uh, viewpoint on these lists, if you didn't see Wilt and Russell play and Baylor and West, you're not qualified to make up a list. And I saw Wilt play. I saw Kareem play. I know who the better player was, and there is absolutely no doubt in my mind. And as you know, Wilt's my goat. As it is with Earl Monroe and Gus Williams and Rick Barry and Walt Frazier, just to throw out names. Yeah, we've got recent bias, you know, in life. And so uh, that's why this list looks this way. If you look up, the, the numbers that Wilt put up are so, they almost look like video numbers, like a video game number. You can't even comprehend that a player could do that, you know, and um, he did, and he did it on a nightly basis. And, and, and he did all that with missing, I don't know how many free throws he missed in his career, something like 6,000 free throws. And yeah, you're right. I mean, he dominated the game in a way that I don't think anybody ever has. And right behind him was Bill Russell in terms of rebounding and block shots. Yeah, you know, I saw one stat earlier today on Wilton. We could talk all day about him. And I don't know which season it was where he literally played all but eight minutes of yep. the entire season. I mean, yeah. that that in itself, no no load management back in those days. No, and there was this there was a stat that when Kobe Bryant was playing, how many I don't know, fifty point games he had had, and I don't know, I think Kobe had had thirty or something like that. And, and Wilt had had something like 163. You know, you go, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, and March 2nd, we're coming up on the 60th anniversary of his 100-point game. I'll be curious to see how much attention ESPN and NBA TV give to Wilt because they rarely give him any attention. Yeah, and I, I don't think anybody will ever do it again. Um, I, I had a home game the night that Kobe scored 81, 
Uh, we had a home game, and I used to love to go home, and especially after a win, sit down, drink a beer, watch the West Coast games. And that was the night where, I, you know, Kobe went off for 81, and that was the closest anybody has come. Uh, that may be one of those unbreakable records. Um, we'll find out, but it's been a long time, and that was the closest that anybody had come. Hey, Ted, I, I imagine Kobe would be in the team photo, but, you know, when you were doing games, uh, whether in Dallas or in, up in Milwaukee, what opposing players did you enjoy looking forward to seeing, you know, go against uh, the teams that you were broadcasting? Oh, um, I really enjoyed watching Nowitzki play. Uh, I, I, you know, Kobe was always one of my favorites. Seth, uh, Steph Curry may be the greatest shot maker we've ever had in the NBA. He was fun to watch. I love watching Steve Nash play because he played the game almost uh, like, like he'd play chess. He was one or two moves ahead, and his vision on the court was just unbelievable. We were playing a game out in Phoenix, and uh, he was coming down on a fast break, and he realized that he couldn't get the ball to a guy breaking back door by doing it the Norway, so he rolled the basketball like a bowling ball on the floor, and it, it shocked everybody so much that nobody put their hands down, and the ball rolled right through everybody and, and came up to the guy, and he grabbed it and put it in. Ted, how do you feel about the way the game has evolved into the point now where we have like a mini three-point shooting contest every night and bigs are expected to shoot the three? Do you like this game compared to, let's say, old school days? Um, mixed feelings on that. Um, look, I understand the analytics of it. And, uh, you know, if you can shoot 33 to 34% on threes, it's like shooting 58% or whatever that is. So the analytics have taken over the way they have in baseball, but I, I still would kind of shake my head when I would see a fast break where you're coming down three on one. And instead of attacking the basket and taking the two, you're kicking out to, to, to a corner three, which sometimes would go in, but sometimes you would miss and you would just kind of go, wow, why not take, why not take the two? Um, you know, you're shooting 50 threes a game in, in some games. I think that's too much. Uh, I would rather see the Kevin McHale, you know, work in the low post, Kim Olajuwon do the dream shake, Tim Duncan do his thing. Uh, I love a power player like Shaq, and that's that's one of the reasons that I enjoyed watching Giannis play. Giannis still has that low post power game that he can go to that most teams are going away from now. So, look, I understand the way the game is played. It's probably changed forever, but I would prefer a little bit more of a mixture of the old school with some of the new school, but it, it may it may not happen. We have we've gone across the Rubicon, and this is the way we play. You know, it's amazing, Ted, because that's what makes Demar Derozan sort of a freak in today's yeah. NBA game. I mean, he, yeah. he his his entire game is mid range. That's why I love him because that's yeah. the only game I knew how to play when I was playing was mid range. Um, so he's he's a blessing. I got to ask you my last question, Ted. Appreciate your time, of course. Um, you come from Texas. Everybody, uh, if, if they didn't know that, you come from Texas. I've known you for a long time. I don't ever recall you really having a Texas twang accent. Did you? And did you have to lose that to get into broadcasting? And especially coming to Wisconsin, um, I just don't ever recall you having that kind of an accent. Well, I, I, like a lot of people in this business, I knew what I wanted to do when I was about eight or nine years old. I used to listen to a, a guy who did Texas Tech football and basketball. And uh, I grew up in Lubbock, Texas, and that's where Texas Tech is. And his name was Jack Dale. And I knew 
I loved listening to him and I thought, boy, that'd be a fun way to make a living. But I also realized that I had to sound like I'm from nowhere. That's, that's the description of <laughs> what you have to be. And so I began to record myself doing play-by-play off the television when I was a kid. And uh, I knew I had to lose my Texas accent, so I did. Uh, we tend to put A's uh, in words where they don't belong. Like if the word think becomes thank, uh, the word tire becomes tar. And so uh, I, I was able to get rid of that. And also we drop our G's. I'm thinking, I'm fixing, <laughs> I'm going. So I had to remember to put the G's back on my words. All right, well, I'm going to ask you a final question. Um, how do you handicap the West? Does it come down to Phoenix and Golden State? And I was just wondering if Milwaukee happened to meet Phoenix again, with Phoenix having another year under their belt and, and maybe even a deeper squad, is that uh, even a, a tougher matchup for them that, this year? Oh, yeah. Phoenix uh, Phoenix just picked up right where they left off, and I think they learned a lot of things from last year. And I talked about those scars that Milwaukee had. That's a scar for them to be up 2-0 and then lose four in a row. And Chris Paul has elevated them uh, to a level that, uh, you know, they're a championship team now, and he's been the difference. Now he's out at this point, and he'll be back uh, supposedly by playoff time. Uh, does that mess up their chemistry? Does that mess up his ability to play? Uh, we'll find out. But they got a lot of good young talent. Devin Booker is a hell of a player. Monty Williams is a great coach. Uh, I would not rule them out. Uh, if, if it came down right now to Golden State and Phoenix, I think Phoenix would win. And I think they would get back. And uh, that's a good story. Uh, terrible owner out there, but a, a good story. And I'm, I'm glad for my, uh, my old friend Al McCoy, who's been around for 50 years. And maybe he will finally get a ring when he's about, I don't know, what, 88, 90 years old? <laughs> he can only hope he emulates what you did last season and go off into the sunset with the championship. Hey, Ted, you're the best. I, I've, I've enjoyed being with you uh, over all these years. I'll enjoy uh, the upcoming being with you. I'm much appreciated uh, to you joining us today. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Hang on one second. Hang on one second, guys. And to everybody else, we'll talk to you again next week.